0: Now we're getting to the bottom of everything
1: it's time for mother angelica i mean that's awesome answering the call answering the call
0: this world is no place for catholic chickens
1: answering the call
0: you call that a failure i call it a great success
1: here's father joseph and doug keck well
2: the phones are ringing once again and mother angelica is answering the call from the classic tv shows of the 80s and the 90s i am doug keck along with my co-host here our network chaplain, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, with another episode of Mother Angelica Answering the Call. Always great to be with you, Father.
3: And with you, too, Doug, and to learn a little bit more from Mother Angelica and her just good down-to-earth wisdom.
2: Absolutely. Let's see what's uh, in front of her on this program. It is in the cross that our faith is proven, Uh, talking about Our Lady of Guadalupe, prejudice and devotion to Our Lady, interesting uh, topic there, and prayer for hope. Let's kick things off with... It is in the cross that our faith is proven. How so? What do you think, Father?
3: Yes, then the rubber meets the road. Am I going to trust the Lord in this situation or not? Am I going to give in to despair? Or am going to trust that God's going to bring good out of it somehow? And I think a very important point that Mother makes is that the cross detaches us. So, So often we can think, well, this world is all there is, and I'm supposed to just have This is my heaven, really, all all forever. But then disappointment happens, tragedy happens, and we realize, no, my true home is in heaven. And for some, for example, those who have had a heart attack, they suddenly realize I have to change my priorities. I have to be ready for heaven.
2: Right, and she talks about that whole idea that when times are good, uh, faith is easy. It's uh, when things get tough that uh, the rubber hit the road, as you indicated. And I Mm -hmm. always think of Mother always talking about the idea that the day was coming for all of us, though. You wouldn't be allowed to sit on the fence anymore.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, really it is that we have to make that decision to follow the Lord. And we live in very challenging times. And yet the Lord's put us here at this time for a particular purpose, a way that we're to bring the light of Christ into this world where there is so much darkness. But I guess in in some sense there always has been darkness, but Christ is always that light that leads us through the darkness.
2: Right, and we shouldn't be convinced that it's necessarily worse today than it's ever been in other times, and forget Mm -hmm. the fact that our Lord is with us through all of this.
3: All days until the end of the world. And ultimately, he's prepared a place for us where the sufferings of the present will seem like nothing compared to the glory that He's prepared for us.
2: Right, and she talks about in this Mother Padre Pio, and and also the idea of the famous quote from Bernadette. Now you're a, you you're mm-hmm. big on lords. <laughs> so-
3: <laughs> yes, so that we are not promised, you know, an earthly paradise, but we are promised heaven by God, and so it is for us to follow Him with faith in the challenging, the tragic things that happen in life, to say, Lord, I know somehow You're going to turn it to my good and eternal glory.
2: Absolutely. It is in the cross that our faith is proven. We have a call. Hello?
4: Hello, Mother. Hey, how are you? Um, I've been better, but um, I want to thank you for taking my call, and thank you for your guidance over the years, and that's one of the reasons I called in. Uh, my name's Debbie. I'm from New Orleans, uh-huh. and um, you were speaking before about how God wants us to be happy here on earth. Yes. Yeah. And I've read that in the scriptures, and I understand that, and I understand he wants us to have his peace. But over the last seven years, my entire family, and we are very devout Catholics, we have been beset by one major tragedy after another, uh, including uh, the death of my very young husband, um, almost losing my mother, my sister's husband, leaving her with non-support. I mean, I could go on and on, but the bottom line is this. And we pray. We pray constantly, and we we have not lost faith in God. But what I don't understand, and I guess because St. Bernadette was my confirmation saint, and I know a lot about her, is I know Mary said to her that some of us, you know, that she could not have happiness in this world. Do you, do you have any any feelings or does the Holy Spirit guide you in any way to give me an answer that, that maybe... Uh, is this a test? Is this something that we just have to go through to show our love for God? I mean, what, is, what, what are your insights
0: on that? What Our Lady said to St. Bernadette is, I do not promise you happiness in this life, only the next. Happiness in the world is a happening. It's a happening and it goes. The Lord never promises happiness. In no translation of the scriptures do you ever read, I give you happiness, I give you joy, joy. And joy does is not a feeling. Happiness is a, is a feeling. Joy is a deep awareness, a deep awareness that you are loved by God and that nothing happens to you that is not for your good." And so that takes away the anguish, the doubt, the anger of saying, you know, what am I? It's always something else happening to me. But you see, if we understood our soul, if we understood that it is our portion to suffer, what did our Lord do except to love us and His love got Him crucified? But what saved us? What is it that gave us the ability to die and to enter the kingdom? His love. But He did get on top of a mountain and say, I love you, I love you, I love you. No, He got on a cross. He got on a cross. And he stretched out his hands, was nailed to that cross and said, I thirst." For what? For water? No. For your love. Crosses in any form, any form, physical, mental, spiritual, are good signs. You say, oh, tell me that one now. No, it's true. Padre Pio said, if we knew the value of the cross, we would covet it. Well, I didn't see, too many people doing that. They're not. These trials also can be a test for your family. He said to Peter, you know, how much do you love me? Do you love me more than these? And Peter was, before he said, yeah, all these will deny you. I will not. But it took a cross and humility to tell Peter, yes, Lord, I love you. Then our Lord said again, do you love me more than these? He wouldn't say yet. He said, you know I love you. And every cross we have brings us closer to the Lord. Why? It detaches us. It makes us aware we do not have here a lasting city. I don't know about you, but I am appalled at how fast time is going. It seemed like yesterday was January 1st and it's the middle of September. And, and you say, well, why are we going so fast, Lord? It's fast. life is fast. At every cross you have, say, thank you, Jesus. Do we understand it? No. Do, does it feel good? No. But maybe our dear Lord wants you to pray for poor sinners. When times are good, it's easy to have faith. It's in the cross that our faith is
2: proven. Next up, Mother's talking to someone about Our Lady of Guadalupe and the power of that mm-hmm. image.
3: You know, we live in a very scientific age that has all these instruments that can take measurements and so on. And in the scientific age, you think about these wonderful, remarkable uh, things, such as Our Lady of Guadalupe image, the Shroud of Turin, the miracle of the Eucharist of Lanciano, the miracles of Lourdes, where they have a medical bureau to investigate. And all of these things point to the reality of the supernatural. You know, none of the, none of them really proves it. Just outright but if you put all these things together and you trust in the lord's word you see that they're pointing to the truth of the reality of the supernatural and god with us
2: it seems like with these kinds of things that faith is always involved and if Mm -hmm. there was a certitude then in that way you're taking faith out of the equation right
3: exactly right so there's always that element of faith god is not coercive (laughs) to force us to believe in him um And so he always has that element where we say yes, and we're walking by faith, and we're looking to him. But faith is a real knowledge, too. It's a way of knowing that's beyond just our capacity of reason, that there's a light that God gives us to be able to embrace him and know him and follow him.
2: And Mother talks about, in a sense, that sense uh, of the Aladio Guadalupe portrait and and Mm -hmm. what it means there's something greater there. Let's see what Mother has to say about it in this episode.
0: Are we having fun? Yeah. Okay, we have another call. Hello? Uh, Mother? Where are you from? Des Moines. Good morning. Huh? Yeah. Des Moines? Yeah. Uh I thought you said good morning. I thought, (laughs) no. I could have said uh, buenos dias.
5: (laughs) Okay. What is your question? Well, actually, uh, when you started talking about Guadalupe, yeah. that instantly brought back memories of when I was in Mexico in 86. Mm-hmm. And that was the summer right after the earthquakes. Oh, yeah. And when I went into that basilica, I expected to see damage from the earthquakes. Not a flake of gold was out of place, not a mm-hmm. crack in the wood. The frame that holds Juan Diego's Tilma was no. not damaged one bit. No. A miracle. I know I witnessed the miracle when I went in there.
0: Well, the miracle, the miracle. That really gave
5: a kicker to my faith because at that time I was in Arkansas and uh, I had very little chances of going to church simply because I don't drive. But uh, having studied that in Spanish, I have a bachelor's in Spanish. Yeah. When I went down there to see that, I got to see what I had been studying about. And that really... uh,
0: it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful portrait of Our Lady. It has a tremendous amount of uh, symbolism and uh, you can't say now When the bishop comes in in August, we'll talk a lot more about Our Lady. And there is a presence there, you know? It's an unusual thing. Uh, when you pass by Our Lady's portrait there, there's a, a real, you get a sense of the presence of Our Lady. And it's, it's very, and that's why statues and 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 pictures and portraits and paintings. Uh, if you go to Sistine Chapel in Italy, it's it's unbelievable. And it's a whole story, the whole story of creation. So not only do you are you is your love enhanced by beauty, but it's a story. You see, it's a story that you can sit there and read.
1: There's more, Mother Angelica answering the call on. Un- EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica Answering the Call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio.
2: And we appreciate you staying with us for part two of Mother Angelica Answering the Call. Father Joseph Mary Wolf is alongside me here. I'm Doug Keck in our radio studio. Let's see what we have for you topic-wise. Prejudice and the devotion to Our Lady. Interesting combination, Father.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, that uh, this woman's husband, because he was black, he felt a certain sense of racism in the church. She's wanting to take RCIA and so on. And, you know, this was very important to Mother Angelica, one of the reasons we were in Birmingham, Alabama, where there was so much civil rights uh, activity that was going on, rightly so, that um, she wanted to be here to be part of the solution and to have black vocations in the community and to pray for peace and the recognition of these people's dignity, of all people's dignity. It brings me great joy, too, when, you know, we have a very international group that comes to the chapel. We have Asians, we have Africans, we have Europeans, we have you know, uh, Hispanic people that come here. And it just is a joy to see just the church blossoming and, and welcoming every race, every people.
2: Yes, it's amazing how that works, and it shows the vibrancy and universality of the faith. What I really like in, in this episode, Mother Angelica uses a phrase that only my mother used to use. When she'd see me standing outside looking a mess, she'd call me the wreck of the Hesperus.
3: <laughs> I'd never heard that <laughs> term before. Can you explain that? What is that?
2: <laughs> it's a shipwreck. It's, oh, that's okay. what it <laughs> is. It's a shipwreck.
3: <laughs> but anyway,
2: let's see what Mother had to say about prejudice and devotion to Our Lady.
3: We have another
0: call. Hello?
5: Hello?
0: And where are you from?
5: I'm from Rochester.
0: And
2: what is your
5: question? Yes, I was wondering how I can get more of a devotion to Our Lady. I'm a new convert, and I also have another question. Um, my husband's black, and he's in the RCIA, and he wants to know how he can feel more welcome because he's black and he feels there's racism in the church. Plus, I have a prayer request, if that's all right. Um yeah. My husband and I have a lot of problems and we need healing in our marriage. Plus, my brother has AIDS and he's dying and my mother needs conversion and so does my stepfather and brother.
0: Well, we'll pray for all those things. I, I don't know, really. I think prejudice is a, a terrible thing. And even if it's in the church, it's a terrible thing, you see. Um, God made everyone beautiful regardless of their skin. They're all daughters and sons of God. They're all brothers and sisters, see? So if your husband's listening, maybe that would be a comfort to him. You can develop devotion to Our Lady by first saying Her Rosary. I would get a little statue of Our Lady. He put some flowers there. So you're worshiping idols. Oh coffee, you're worshiping idols, for goodness sakes. You go to Washington, DC. I never saw so many men on horses. (laughs) (laughs) Do you realize what a statue in marble means to first of all carve a horse and then carve a man on top of a horse? Do you realize what it costs? And why does he do it? He's just sitting there
4: <laughs>
0: on his horse and nobody thinks a thing about It's that idolatry. Say, oh, no, he won the battle. Okay, he won the battle. Why put him in marble? Now, to me, if you put a saint in marble, at least it, that particular image reminds you that you, too, can become a saint. Reminds you of the love of Jesus, the grace that Jesus can put. It reminds you why He died for you. He died to make you holy. So don't don't pay attention to this. You know we need Him. I I have never met a man yet that began to talk about his family, and I'd say, "Do you have a picture?" And he comes up it's so dilapidated billfold <laughs> that he must have had thirty-five years, all worn out. But in that worn-out billfold, he has a picture of his wife and his kids, and he is so proud. Is that idolatry? What happens when he opens up his billfold to pay for a lunch? He sees his children. What happens to him? The love he has becomes re Well, that's what it is with a Sacred Heart badge or a statue. I bought a statue of Our Lady of Guadalupe and it's got real eyelashes on. I never saw a statue with real eyelashes on. <laughs> but I gave it to one of the sisters to look at. She said, That's got real eyelashes. I said, Where? <laughs> By golly, with real eyelashes. <laughs> Emilio bought me this rosary. You see it in this street? It's got um, Uh, a picture of uh, every incident in the life of uh, Juan Diego when he saw our lady. See? Now over here, I'm sorry, you can't put your eyes on this thing, but then if I look through here, there is the image of Guadalupe. I see the whole image of this little teeny little thing. Well, I love this rose. Why? It's a constant reminder that our dear lady loved this continent so much It's the only real picture of her self-portrait in the world. I like that. Not in Germany or France or Italy. It's nowhere but right here. They say, well, it's in Mexico. Well, we're brothers and sisters, don't matter where it is in this continent. We all live on the same one. You need devotion. I feel like I, there's something missing if I can't put my hand in my pocket and feel a rosary because I keep giving them away, <laughs> and, and and that's why I keep getting new ones. And the sister said, "Whether well, will you keep this one?" I thought, "Well, I don't know if I keep it or not." But see, that's that's just all remind we need it. We live in a rat race world, don't you think? Huh? You can't. You wake up in the morning and you're all cheerful. By night time, you look like you went. You look like a wreck of the Hesperus. <laughs> you're bedraggled. you got bags under your eyes. You, hey, what did you do all day? You went to work and you ate. You came home and you, you run out the door in the morning and you crawl in at night. Now, you tell me in that situation how you're going to be pious or holy or unless you have reminders, reminders, little medals, little crucifixes,
2: and closing out our program for today is Prayer for Hope. That's very positive, Father.
3: Yeah, and Mother here is talking, obviously, about one of the stations of the cross. She must have been talking about the different stations. And that really is a profound devotion that helps us, helps us bear our own cross better. There's something of our Lord's own strength, His love, that is important, parted to us as we go down these different stations, these different stopping points, in his own way of the cross and his death on the cross. There was one phrase she
2: uses in this uh, episode, everyone has a terrible inner cross. Mm-hmm. What did you
3: mean by that? I think everyone has a certain anguish that we go through interiorly, don't we? I mean, certainly I can remember different experiences in my own life when you're trying to sort out your life, perhaps, or find out what is your vocation and or tragedy happens in your life. We have this inner cross that often nobody else can see or understand, but the Lord does. He's gone there first. He's gone before us. And that's what gives us courage when we meditate on his passion, when we do the stations of the cross that he understands.
2: I think it's also good for us to remember that all of us have that, and everybody else is suffering in their own way, whether you realize it or not.
3: Exactly, and that can help us to have much more compassion for people. As that saying goes, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And often there's an inner anguish that they're going through that makes them lash out perhaps. And it doesn't make it right necessarily, but we can have a greater understanding and compassion for their own interior suffering.
2: Absolutely. Let's see what Mother had to say about prayer for hope.
0: And we have a caller now who, who wants to say a prayer. Hello?
2: Hello,
5: Mother.
0: Do you want to say a prayer?
5: Yes, and I'd also like everyone to pray for my daughter-in-law and
4: her mother. Her sister has been missing for two years. Uh-huh. She was a drug addict, and uh, it's heartrending for this mother. So mm-hmm. my prayer is
0: for hope. Oh, my God, relying on your almighty power and
5: infinite mercy and promises, we hope to obtain pardon for our sins the help of Your grace and life everlasting through the merits of Jesus Christ.
0: Amen. Amen. We'll, we'll remember that. That's a heartache, isn't it? Huh? It's someone you loved, whether they were drug addicts or not, you see, love goes beyond that. Everyone has a terrible inner cross, a stripping and, and it's something you can't share with anybody sometimes, see? And and sometimes we don't know where to go, but you always have Jesus. You always have these stations. And I, I hope that our going over these stations with you kind of gives you a place to go. See, your pain. And we're just talking now about AIDS, you know, and all the things you can't do anymore, and all the things that were natural or very very difficult and but it doesn't matter what it is, whether you lose your business or you lose your job, that pain in your heart has to be united to Jesus' pain everywhere you go, because in the next station. We find Jesus nailed to the cross. He's nailed to the cross. And we can't, we can't imagine that. I read a book by a doctor who, uh, who said that our dear Lord was nailed in the wrist because every time he nailed a corpse up on a cross and and the palm, it, it fell through from the weight. And they experimented. And the only way they could nail anyone up is through the wrists. Well, there's a nerve here that goes right up to your brain. And just one arm would have been enough, one hand. But there were there were two feet two hands. And the worst part about the Romans was that they made the holes in the cross before the body got there. And so many times the hand didn't reach the hole. So they would just pull the arm out of the socket and nail it that way. You get an idea of the horror of sin when you realize what our dear Lord had to suffer.
1: For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.